to see the response to something like this. And I guess when you stop and you think about it, maybe not surprising, but it's still remarkable just to see how many people Kobe touched through a, a million different things, but through the Lakers mostly. And it just it it just strikes you. And all of a sudden you turn around, I bet you half the people downtown right now have a Kobe Bryant jersey on. And it's it it it's it, it reflects to like what the Lakers mean and what basketball means and the community like you want to find people in a situation like this who understand what you're feeling. And, you know, I, you know, we'd mentioned before, I mean, the plaza here at LA live at the round staples is, is very full. And I, I don't know if more people are needed, but I, I get the impulse to find people who understand what, what this person meant. And there are so many people, hundreds of thousands and millions of people just in this city for whom Kobe Bryant was a meaningful figure in any number of ways. Yeah, that's that's something I and when something like this happens you're thinking about trying to trying to find a way to summarize what all of this means and one of the things that that I noted on, on Twitter was just that this is bigger than sports as a story. It's a Los Angeles story because yeah. Kobe is so connected to this city and that's something you see outside of Staples Center. Forget just the size of the crowd that's out there. The speed with which they congregated in one place. I mean, within a couple hours of the news breaking of, of Kobe's passing and his daughter's passing and, the, and this crash that took these other lives, you've got this sea of people all in one place outside Staples Center. Again, it just, it just speaks to what Kobe meant to this city and the way he connected so many different people from so many different walks of life, ethnicities, socioeconomic backgrounds, they can all find that common point in Kobe. Yeah, you know, the word that you just used there, Andy, you know, to, to summarize it, and that that's the thing for me since I found out earlier today, and I, I can't. You know what I mean? I, I just can't summarize and, and land on one thing that you think about with him, and that's what's so extraordinary, I think, about him is that obviously the, the basketball thing is the the most obvious one. But I was listening to you guys with Mason. I've been listening to all the things that that you guys were playing, and all of the the, the other sports figures and political figures that have responded to the news of his death. And it's just remarkable how many different layers there are to this and how emotional it is. And it's going to take, it's not a day, a week, a month. It's going to take forever to kind of wrap your arms around exactly what his life was. I think that's what it's like. You know, one of the things that I think happens when you cover sports for a living is that your perspective on these things changes. You know, you're a little less fanish about certain things. You you kind of get to know some of the people who you are covering and you're around it. You see a little bit of how the sausage is made and all these other It does change a little bit about how you view sports and see sports. And in that way, Kobe to me becomes so much more interesting because you see the person and what he was and whether you liked certain things about his personality or didn't, but just how different he was and, and and capable he was in so many ways that that uh, that so many of his peers weren't not to to, to bag on so many human beings aren't. I mean, people say like for a basketball player, Kobe was a, for a person. Yeah, Kobe was remarkably intelligent and curious and driven. And if he'd have an ounce of basketball talent, he would have been the most driven whatever he was good at architect whatever that and we'd be talking about something else it's 
the basketball part of it is the most obvious thing to kind of realize what that drive manifested itself in. But you're, you're right. You look at all of these other things and the curiosity, the movies, the, 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 you guys tell him the stories about him cold calling people. It's just that that's not just because he was a great basketball player. It's because he had a genuine intellectual curiosity in how things work and why great things are great. And can I, can I take something from this person? Can I take something from that person? And that is not just like you were saying, Brian, unique in the world, but it's, it's, it's almost non-existent in athletics. The, the, the vast majority of athletes are singularly focused on their chosen profession, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, whatever, and they're ingrained in that, and they know the details of that, and they know how that works. But try to have any sort of meaningful dialogue with them beyond you know what their area of expertise is, and you get kind of thin pretty quickly. Kobe was endlessly interesting in everything other than basketball. Yeah, I mean, he's just really smart. He was a really smart guy to be around. I, I remember joking about that period when it was Kobe and Powell and Andrew Bynum and, and Derek Fisher that like the Lakers book club must have been just exceptional <laughs> because you have so many smart guys in one locker room. But that's in part why, A, they worked well together and B, they won championships. Like I, I mean, I think, Travis, you can understand this as somebody who – played sports at, at a higher level, even at the collegiate level, than a lot of people get to. Like There is a certain intelligence that's required to get to that next level sure. and to do it well. Like Intelligence about your game, and in a lot of ways, just in, intelligence about figuring out ways to understand other people, how to get the most out of your teammates. And that was something, by the way, that Kobe had to learn as he went along, by his own admission, learning how to motivate people in a way that was positive and responsive for them. It took a while, but then, you know, he eventually, I think, started figuring out the value in understanding people better, but that's also something that just comes when you get older, and I think you start understanding yourself better, you start go, you know, realizing your own perspectives, things like that. 17 years old. Yeah. His parents had to, had to co-sign his contract. <laughs> he wasn't legally allowed to sign it. Like, the, I mean, it's like, you, he, a per, he's, he's, he's so unusual in the sense that he was with us in LA for so long that you would forget like you know the guy's been in the league for 10 years okay now he's 27 28 right. you know he's been in the league for 20 years now he's 30 he's a very young man but very old in the in the sort of the world that he was in but that's a long time for you know that's crosses generations of people who can be impacted by one guy on one team in one sport you know in ways that are just incredibly profound in a city that's driven too with by celebrity and being famous is an incredible currency here. He was arguably one of the I mean, if you're counting on one hand, just the most famous person in this town, he's on it. Well, and maybe even if you're only going a couple of fingers deep, I mean, he was remarkably good at being a celebrity too he was interesting and he was available enough that you were always around but not so available You're like okay this guy is needs to go away for a minute it just it was remarkable how comfortable he became being a mega 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 star in a city that is driven by celebrity i mean we're doing this right now as the grammys are either underway or about to be underway and you know that's a different swath of celebrity altogether but a few years ago, when Kobe was nominated for and won an Oscar for Best Animated Short, Dear Basketball, 
star, you know, the Academy Awards, that is the biggest gathering of, of mm-hmm. stars you're going to find. The whole thing is a celebration of stardom. And those people are geeking out seeing Kobe. <laughs> like, that's a thrill for them to be up close to Kobe. And those are people that their entire life is spent around the most famous of the famous. You guys covered him for a, a good chunk of his career. Do you have a single memory, like the, the, the one that jumps to the top of your memory first, uh, the first time you met him, a game, a moment, away from the court, anything? Well, I mean, the moments for me, and I was very fortunate, I was at 81. I was at the the, the Dallas game where he outscored the Mavericks in three quarters and then sat down because he's like, I can go get 80 another day. And he then <laughs> like a week and a half later turned around and did. Um, I was at the free throw game, which is my you know, my personally, I think the most amazing Kobe moment for so many reasons. I was at his last game. I was at game seven. So I saw a lot of this stuff. But then you're also reminded of like for what we do for a living. Like you got to go in there and you ask questions. I mean, Kobe sometimes was prickly and certainly earlier in his career. And as he went on, he was a little bit more just open and, you know, kind of YOLO about it all. But he he demanded that you be good at your job because he was good at his. And, like, if you come at Kobe Andy with a stupid question, he'll tell you. And, like, you know, he required of people around him to get his respect. Yeah. If you wanted to be respected by him. But at the same time, though, if you asked him a question that I think he kind of deemed stupid because he just didn't feel like answering the question, he wasn't in the mood, maybe the Lakers lost, whatever, you could come back at him and, you know, in so many words say, no, answer the question. And he'd eventually get to it. And I think he respected that. And and one of the things, Brian, I know we've talked about this before, in spending a lot of time around Kobe, he took notes with the local media. And you could tell the people that he respected in terms of the work that he did. I, I don't know how much of it he read, but I know that his team, you know, the people around him, they read everything. Mm-hmm. You could tell that he took notes. You could tell that he was keeping track of the people that either asked good questions or were asking questions in earnest Versus the people that were just looking to get an easy bite so they could just have a little sound there to to fill out a graph or bridge something they were writing or just have the sound for radio. And if the question wasn't being asked for any particular purpose or you were just trying to get a bite out of Kobe, he could see through it and he'd call you out on it. And like Brian, that was something I really enjoyed. And I'd like to think that it made me better at doing what I did. He respected people that would also work i think is what it is you know that you could tell the way that he would do the cold calls the way that he when he goes to do his his animated short he gets people that are the very best at what they do so if he sees somebody grinding it out he's probably going to respond to that the way that he would anybody else that's trying to do a good job you just think of like what you would do if you had acts you know kobe bryant because because of where he was in his life and what he accomplished and his celebrity and all of these things that he was, you know, the kind of the gifts that that he was given in, through his career. Like, what would you do if you had that kind of currency? Mm-hmm. Would you, you know, just kind of hang out on a boat and you know, you know, spend a lot of money and this and that, whatever? Or would you find out, like, you know, get the access to the greatest people you can find and uh, the most intelligent, smart people you can find? Learn how to do whatever it is that you want to do as well as it can be done from the people who know how to do it best. And that's how he spent. You know his post basketball career. It's it's just such a such an odd day. I mean, a sad day, obviously, but it it feel it still feels 
almost like it isn't very strange, real. Very it, strange it's to just, use the past tense. Very, very, exactly. And, and you find yourself using the verb tenses and you find yourself thinking about, okay, well, next. No, there's not a next. It's just, it's a very weird thing to, to kind of wrap your head around. It's been several hours and it's still as confusing as it was when we first heard the news. Uh, LZ Granderson joining us here in studio as well. Hello, my friend. How are you doing today? Obviously, a, a very, very sad, difficult day here in LA and for, for everybody that, that watched that. So we'll, uh, we'll bring LZ in here in a minute. That's coming up next on 710 ESPN. Obviously, an incredibly sad day here in Los Angeles, across the country, across the basketball world, really across the world. I mean, Kobe's such a an international presence as well. As I mentioned, um, Elsie Granderson joining us here as well. Brian and Andy Kamenetsky, Travis Rogers here in the studio. Um, and Elsie, your first thoughts when you heard the news? That it wasn't real, like everyone else's thoughts. Um, Keyshawn called me. I was in San Francisco. Um it's my husband's 50th birthday today and we were going to go out and celebrate and he calls me before we you know go out and he's like man did kobe die and i was like what are you talking about and he's like he talked about his wife that called him and you know she was hysterical and he was like man they said kobe died in a plane in a, in a helicopter crash and i was like no 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 that can't be right blah, blah blah i'll call you right back so i immediately started getting on twitter and seeing what i could find and I go to the LAPD's Twitter feed and there was nothing there yet. So I went to the county sheriff's um, Twitter feed and that's when I saw the news about the, the helicopter crash. At the same time, the TMZ site had crashed. Mm. At, and so I told Key, talked to him again. I was like going, look, the TMZ site has crashed. It probably crashed and someone has hacked it. And that's the reason why I crashed and put up this fake story because that, that's that's not real. And then a short time later, um, we found out that it was real. Uh, ABC7 had confirmed it, and I just started shaking and crying. Um, and I, I'm getting emotional now because I didn't realize how much I loved him until then. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen him play countless times. I took my son on a road trip to see Kobe play. And my son is not a big basketball fan, and I told him, you have to see this man play. We're going to watch him play in L.A. And we came out to L.A. to see him play Chris Paul the year that he and Kobe were battling to be MVP. I'll never forget it. Kobe put on a show as he always did. And I just sat there and I just, it was just numbing. And I've been a reporter in Metro and cops for newspapers. I've dealt with death as a journalist countless, countless times. But for some reason... With Kobe, I just couldn't believe and didn't want to believe it was true. Yeah, it's funny. I was in the car, and I got a call from my son who says, did you hear? And I did, did I hear what? And he says the same thing. He said, I just saw that Kobe was killed in a helicopter crash. And I, I said, no, that can't. You know. I said, where, who, where, where, what's the story? What, what is it? Who's saying that? He goes, I don't know. I said, Bob, there's there's just no way. I said, that can't possibly be true. And then five minutes later, it starts popping up pretty much everywhere and the, the same sort of process. And I'm assuming that's what everybody that, that in the city and across the country is going through right now, that transition from, wait, this is actually happening to try to process the entire thing. Well, there's just there's a sadness that would be there either way because of what Kobe meant to you as a sports fan, what he meant to you as an Angelino. You know, if you're somebody that took inspiration from the way that he played and the way that he searched out greatness – but then once you know that he died with his daughter mm-hmm. and that his last act really was the act of fathering. Yeah. And the four of us are parents. And and I think 
a lot of people listening right now, you, you think about how much your children mean to you and just the idea of what his family now is going through on so many different levels, losing a father, losing a sibling, losing a daughter, losing a husband. It's it's devastating on top of what you would already feel about this. It's just it's really hard to wrap your head around. I, and I, I think about the you know the, the youngest baby that they have, and I don't know the exact age, but very young infant. And the, the challenge that comes from trying to now explain to this little girl as she gets older who the actual person was, because there's so much mythology around Kobe and there's so much symbolism around Kobe that and he means so many things to so many people that what this baby inputs is going to be so different, I think, than the experience that our older sisters and like just everything about this is is tragic and then you know there are seven other people who aren't related to kobe bryant who are have families and and it's just the whole thing is just awful yeah for i'm assuming that everybody has heard by now but the helicopter that crashed earlier today had nine people on board there were eight passengers the pilot all all nine died in the accident um including kobe bryant and his 13 year old daughter and what you guys have all said about your children and thinking about it i keep going back to his daughters and yeah. and i just I'm walking down the street, coming in, and you're seeing everybody in Kobe jerseys and hats and T-shirts, and everybody is decked out and wearing their Kobe stuff. You can tell they're wearing it. It's they're, they're sad, and they're feeling it. And I just keep going back to the family. It's one thing to have watched him from a distance, to enjoy him as a basketball player, to enjoy him in a variety of different ways, but that was their dad. You know, I, yeah. keep, I keep coming back to that piece of it. Like, whether he had ever played basketball or not, it, he was their dad. And, and now you got three three kids that don't have a dad right now. I just That's the part to me that I keep landing on over and over and over again. And he you could see was enjoying being a parent yeah. at this stage of his life. That's the part, man. It's like I had an opportunity over the holiday to spend time with my son who's not an adult and just enjoying just being a dad, you know, and just watching my child go out through life. And he had dedicated, Kobe had, you know, 20 plus years of his life just pouring everything he had into being the very best basketball player he possibly could be. And then he transitions over, and you see him pouring everything he has into being the best possible dad. And just as he's really starting to to get his you know proverbial teeth into this thing, it's snatched from him. It's snatched from his family. Yeah. It, it just, it's, it's one of those things that will never make sense. It, it just it will never make sense. And we'll, we'll talk about Kobe and we'll, we'll talk about all the, the great memories that we all have of him as an athlete. And I'm sure that we'll get to a point where you can remember him and think of all the good stuff. Yeah. And it's just that you gotta, you gotta do all this stuff first. And because it's, it's just so disorienting. I think that might be the best word that I'm feeling right now. It's terribly disorienting that how, how did this happen to this guy, 41 years old? It's it just, it's do you guys remember that, that ESPN the magazine cover with Kobe and Phil Jackson merged together? Yeah, you're at the magazine at the same yeah. time. Do you know yeah. the background of that story? No. So I'm the number two in the NBA department. So it's myself and Dave Cummings is number one, and we have this great idea about how to celebrate Phil Jackson's coming back with Kobe in the whole nine. Kobe squashes it, doesn't want to do it. He has a better idea. He comes up with that cover. That cover it was his idea. Was Kobe's idea. Now, at the time, I thought he was a big pain in the ass because I was just like, why are you pushing back? We've got this set, blah, blah, blah. He blew up the budget, you know, to make <laughs> it happen. And when the project, finished projects were done, it was like, 
damn, Kobe was right. Well, it's like it's okay, better. Remember the the spot that he did years ago with Roni Turioff where they jump the Aston, where Kobe jumps the Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, and, right, right, and right. What was crazy about that is just beyond the fact that it was a really entertaining, fun commercial. I can't tell you kind how of the many, beginning of this viral video right, thing and all that's, that. Yeah. That's what I was going to get at. That Kobe actually specifically did something that would be viral and would be on the internet as opposed to a traditional commercial. And like the curiosity and the creativity and like wanting to be a few steps ahead of everybody else or the idea of just putting his own stamp on this. Mm-hmm. It was it was a really fun, unique commercial. And only Kobe would put himself out there jumping a car that, by the way, <laughs> freaked his fans out. Right. Yeah. I can't tell you how many <laughs> people hit us up. When we, we were covering the team for the LA Times at the time, like in the comments section of, of our blog. Like, tell me Kobe didn't really do that. Please tell <laughs> he me. Didn't. He didn't. He didn't. It's okay. It, it, but it... But but again, it, it's Kobe wanting it to be more than just a Nike ad. Yeah. Like he wanted it to be something but even, bigger, even more think special. About, even think about the things that like Kobe was willing to try and put his stamp that didn't work. Like mm-hmm. go back to that thing at the LA Times, the, the white thing with the scarf and the, oh, the yeah, weird yeah, hat yeah. and all that. It was a disaster. But like that's the kind of self assuredness and self confidence. Like I'm going to go do that. I, you know, so, somebody might have gotten <laughs> fired for telling him it was a good idea. But it was but it was like. Not everybody's doing like you have to be willing to put something out there that's going to fail as much as you are. If you're going to be you're, fearless, if you're going to take the last shot of a game. You're taking the risk that the shot's not going to go in. You know, LZ, you said something a minute ago about how he was going to figure it out. And listening to all the stories that you guys have told today and, and hearing other people talk about their interactions with Kobe and his work ethic and the Mamba mentality. That that could almost be his entire motto is I'll figure it out. He he was going to regardless of what it is, whether it was some footwork on a move or or how to do a movie or how to do whatever was going to come next in his life. He will figure it out through nothing but blood and guts and 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 going through there and working and working and working. He will figure it out. He always did. The, you were asking us before, like uh, some of the favorite interactions that we had with Kobe. One of the favorite ones that comes to mind for me was actually in. Involving Brian, because and when you were talking about figuring it out, Brian once asked Kobe about if, say, the sliding doors version of your career happened, and you had been drafted by Charlotte. You know, you stayed with the team that actually drafted you. Would you have had five championships? To which Kobe said yes. And if you look at you know the particulars of how things could have laid out for Kobe if he had been in Charlotte. That looks impossible. <laughs> but I, I, I would have figured it out. I yeah. just I would have figured it out. And, and you know, whether, Co- whether Kobe truly believed in that moment intellectually, yes, if I had been a Bobcat slash Hornet, I really would have ended up with five championships. He did truly believe that he would have, if nothing else, exhausted every single possibility towards making that happen and he would have come as close to having five championships as anybody humanly possible could have had if their career had been in charlotte so we've been hearing from a lot of people across the nba uh talking about kobe bryant somebody that he had some epic battles with through the years the coach of the san antonio spurs greg popovich speaking on kobe's passing good game tough loss who cares um most importantly uh Appreciate you all letting the locker room be tonight. Uh, everybody's pretty emotional about the tragedy uh, with Kobe, and uh, all of us know what a great player he was. But 
he went beyond great playing. He was a competitor uh, that is that goes unmatched, and it's what made him uh, as a player so attractive. Everybody that focus, uh, that competitiveness, that will to win. Uh, and even more importantly than that, uh, we all feel a, a deep sense of loss for what he meant to all of us in so many ways and so many millions of people loved him for so many different reasons. So that's Greg Popovich um, speaking on Kobe Bryant. And you can tell, you know, we heard Doc Rivers earlier, we'll play that for you coming up a little bit later on as well, who is terribly emotional trying to talk about it. And you can tell this isn't just, oh, he was a great basketball player and I remember his work ethic. And the, there's an emotional component to Kobe that resonated beyond just the guys that played with him, guys that coached against him, guys that played against him. I mean, everybody who he interacted with, he impacted. I, I just sent in um, a piece that I wrote for CNN about Kobe. And um, the line that I wrote was about, he wasn't simply an NBA legend. He was a cultural icon. Legends are honored for what they've accomplished. Icons continually set the bar for what is possible. And I wrote that about him because if you were to not talk about Kobe Bryant, the basketball player, you're talking about the Oscar-winning Kobe Bryant, the, the New York Times bestseller list Kobe Bryant. That was in a short window since he retired that he accomplished those things, things that takes people decades and decades to accomplish. He quickly moved into it, not because he was an ex-Laker, but because he was simply Kobe and he would figure it out. You know, I feel like I'm mourning more about what he would have been than the basketball part. We're, of it. we're short. The basket the basketball part. We, we get to keep that for Yeah. And he maxed yeah. it out. And, and, oh, to the, yeah. and that and was the, and that was the whole yeah. point, <laughs> right? But yeah. there's this other thing. We're supposed to get forty more years of this, right? Forty more years of accomplishments. Forty more years of wow. Remember, like of a generation of people who might not even really have know him from basketball and might mm-hmm. not know what he was as a player, but know him as that guy who wrote the books that I read when I was a kid, or whatever, whatever it might have been. And he was just at the beginning of it and it had a head start because of that same drive to learn how you know go to Hakeem Olajuwon and learn footwork was also to call he spent an entire right. summer with Hakeem working on footwork for right. people who but don't know to call that. Oprah to call Louis Vuitton to call Steve Jobs and, and just learn about excellence and then go apply it somewhere mm-hmm. I, 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 I heard an interview sad. with James Worthy after he scored 80 plus point he calls up James Worthy to, to learn more about footwork <laughs> and I'm listening I'm in the car I'm in the Uber ride over to the station and I'm listening to Sturm like going Bro, you scored eighty points. You check. You you have the footwork. Yeah, people should call you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also was just thinking about too on the way here when when the news broke that his daughter Gianna was mm. in the helicopter with him. Beyond just the extra level of devastation, thinking about the basketball career that seemed to be there ahead of her, mm-hmm. and that obviously mattered so much to her. And by all accounts, she was a terrific basketball player. But how much it meant to Kobe, and you know. How what it would have looked like to see the two of them embark on that type of basketball career together? What Kobe's presence might have lent to you know the legitimacy of the WNBA and his daughter being a part of it because it's automatically going to be taken more seriously by virtue of Kobe's presence. So there's another basketball story that would have come from this, and unfortunately we don't get to. And see you it. guys, we all have kids, and we all have kids who have 
played sports or done this activity or done that activity. And like Kobe, right when he first retired, it was very obvious. He had very little to do with the game. He had no interest in being around the Lakers other than, you know, to help them, uh, you know, he have some Nike obligations and all these other, but he wasn't around. He didn't want to be around. And then you can see how he's reinvesting himself in basketball because his daughter loves it. And you're not, it's not the same thing as pay attention to me. I'm Kobe mm-hmm. Bryant. It's, I just want like, this is so much fun. My daughter loves this. I just want to be out there with her doing this stuff. And you see, in you know, it's Trey like Young. LeBron and Bronny. Yeah, it's the exact same. You know, the ability to experience that joy with your children. And Dwayne Wade with Zaire. You know what's going on right now with Sierra Canyon. And I and you know there have been times where LeBron has you know taken criticism for his involvement being front and center of it. And I think maybe now people can really understand. No, this is just a father wanting to experience this mm-hmm. and, and and seeing his children not just succeed but you know being passionate about what they're succeeding in i mean we i think we can all agree that that's when you are a parent it's all you want it's, it is all you want it's yeah. the best it yeah. is the best another laker great jerry west speaking about kobe bryant you know i really didn't discover kobe okay there was you know he was a, a great young uh, high school player in that time it wasn't in vogue to draft players like that and um, as I say it was part of the process of getting here his agent and Norn Tellum and myself were able to um, working through the draft until uh, t- he became a Laker and um, those were very exciting moments for us to get a young charismatic kid uh, like him but more importantly a, a very unique talent and um, it was the uh, um, start of a long, I don't say process, but start of a long friendship and re- working relationship. And uh, to hear this news this morning, uh, frankly, at first I was shocked. And then after a while, it really sunk, I sunk in. And, you know, to see the transformation of him from a, 17-year-old kid who used to spend time at my house with me to my son Ryan driving him around because he couldn't drive. He couldn't even sign a contract because he was too young. Uh, To him, the constant questions about the NBA, uh, wanting me to go to a gym with him to watch him work out and maybe make suggestions to him. It was more than... I really felt like a surrogate father to him. And then as his career blossomed and uh, you know he started to establish this an enormous reputation as a player and, and also filled with accomplishments, but his charisma on top of it uh, was something that most great players don't have, and he had it. But uh, to wake up to this news, this has been one of the most horrible days of my life. Uh, I felt like I felt like I've lost a son, and uh, frankly, not doing very well. That's Jerry West speaking about Kobe Bryant. Obviously, a very emotional day for him as well. We heard earlier the the, the clip of Doc Rivers and you know emotional crying um, as he was talking and. This is one of the more jarring things that that we've we've heard over the course of this day long tributes that come out because it's not how this is supposed to work. Kobe Bryant is supposed to be the person who goes 
someday, hopefully many years from now, when Jerry West passes and delivers the eulogy, one of the eulogies at Jerry West's funeral. Jerry West is not supposed to outlive Kobe Bryant, not supposed to be able to comment on something like this. And, and like it, it is upsetting to the order of things in the world when tragedies like this happen. And that, to me, was was very jarring and, and upsetting. It reminds me of um, I happened to be in Los Angeles, not very far from when Whitney passed away, right around the Grammys, the night before the Grammys, as a matter of fact. And the difference is, is that even though Whitney was also in her 40s, we all kind of saw it coming. Yeah. You know, she had lived a life publicly that anyone was paying attention was worried at some point we would get that news. That's what's so hard to your point, Brian, about Kobe is that we didn't even get a heads up. We just woke up one day and just life punched us. You heard Jerry West there, and he used the word a couple of different times in that two minutes where he called him a kid. And and I think that's a big reason why we all feel the way we do about him is that we got to see him, and, and not as like a as a phrase, oh, he's just a kid. He was a kid. He was 17 years old, right out of high school, thrown into the NBA. And, and kind of at the beginning, it's hard to remember because he went on to have such an extraordinary career, but at the beginning, you're like, oh my goodness, what have we gotten into here? This, <laughs> you know, this, this is going to be something I don't know about we, this. We got to see the full yeah. ride with yes. Kobe, yes. but his career had a lot of peaks, a lot of valleys. There were there were controversies. Kobe was this really unique uh, combination of extremely popular but also polarizing. Mm-hmm. Like, and the idea of watching this from seventeen to thirty seven when he retires, like, it's unique. It's truly unique to see not just a career that goes that long, but so many different sides of it. And to be able to invest yourself in it. Yeah, it just when you start that young and you get to watch that whole evolution that you just described, Andy, and then we know that there's going to be a whole nother story to tell of his post-basketball career. And then just, it's, I mean, it's cliche, but you just, nobody's, you you never know. And I mean, it just feels like you got something stolen from you. It's, yeah. it's very, very difficult. Breaking news on 710 ESPN is powered by Valvoline Instant Oil Change, home of the 15-minute drive through oil change. Visit SoCalOilChange.com to find a location near you and to download up to $15 in coupons. We will be back with more talking about the life of Kobe Bryant right here on 710 ESPN.